Now, this episode is interesting to me in the sense yeah. that you did a 33-minute episode and it was gonna, it's going to be a little under the 33 minutes. Yeah. This chapter three is like 37 minutes long. Yeah. And it's going to be like an hour long episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's There's just so, so much. much. <laughs> so much. Yeah. They're not even, they're not playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like if that was, that would be like, if you went to school for like one hour and then they're like, the test is tomorrow and it's a two hour test. Yes. You're like, how are we? What? How is that what we have to do? It's 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 pretty crazy, right? Like and and to you know five minutes, but it's so uh, you know we went a little far on the whole uh, peanut butter thing, but it is equally uh, story rich de- in in density, like chapter yeah, one. like like cashew butter. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's, it's just... crazy town, right? Like. <laughs> I mean, so is this the way? Guys, you're listening. This is chapter three, The Sin. Yes. We got Andrew Leonard's on the Hello. keys. I got, I'm Air Michael Marsh on the bass. And please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. And uh, I think that covers, what was the other? Oh, yeah, the warning we're giving for all this is that we're recording this after we've watched season two. Yes. So we are going to do our best to not destroy everything for you. This is your listening companion for the series, and thank you for joining us on this way. Or if you've already seen the whole show and you're just going back through and you want to see what you missed, we're here for you. That's what it's we do. It's a progressive reveal, right? That's the we're going to a progressive reveal, and reveal we it as we honor go. that. Yep, we honor that because that's what I like in storytelling. Yeah. Um, and Andy fights me every week on it. He goes, "No, let's tell him everything." <laughs> he goes, "Let's let's." <laughs> The whole caboodle, every episode. Everything, more than they want. All the details. Yeah, let's <laughs> cause an uprising in the nerds. And I say, no, Andy, Andy, I want to be able to go to these conventions when the world opens up again. I know. I'd so, like that too. <laughs> I never thought I'd want to be around you dirty, filthy, smelly nerds again, but here I am. <laughs> it's a sign of security, right? When you could do that. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm hoping. That's right. I want to buy some of your uh, your bootleg action figures again one day, guys. Yeah. We put David Prowse's real head on Darth Vader. That's what I want. <laughs> so this episode starts. We're with, we're with Mando on the ship, and we start to see the love affair of the ball. Yes. Baby Yoda has that little ball that's on top of whatever little shifter he's got, and he loves it, and it's very specific to that ball, and that starts in this episode. There's a little hologram of uh grief grief cargo grief cargo thank you i wrote it down later on i didn't write it down right here i don't know why where he says hey it sounds great that you got that what is the bounty we're going to give it to the client when you get here so he lands on navarro which is a very important planet for the series a lot of it takes place there because that's where the bounty hunter guild is yes that's where he gets his job so things begin and start there he walks through town we see notably an orange r2 unit i just like droids so i point them out we see some Jawas arguing because I like watching that happen yep. too. We even see a Twilight, I believe, hanging around. We see a security droid that we saw in Chapter 1 and we've seen in Return of the Jedi because the first thing that Mondo does is he goes straight to the client to deliver the goods. Yeah, Grief, mentions, Grief mentions that the, that the client is, uh, is antsy. Uh, and yeah, that, exactly. And, he, and then he wants him so, to go straight there. 
exactly. So he doesn't even stop by the guild first. He goes, okay, I'm going to drop this off, go and get paid, and then going to get my next job. As opposed to, I feel like he was the kind of guy that would have picked up the jobs first and then dropped things off. But that's not the way this one's being. The dirty stormtroopers open the door. They look tense. They let him in, and they kind of grab the carriage that the baby's in and try try to pull it faster. And he like that's when you know like nobody here cares about this child, you know. And he's just like, hey, be careful, it's a baby. And he's like, no, no, you shut your mouth. This is ours. This is all a money transaction. We don't care that you have emotions. And that's uh, when we see the client for the first time. Really quick on the um, when you mentioned the stormtroopers, uh, we see the stormtroopers. There are stormtroopers. The the thing that I I noticed here was uh, was the child's reaction to the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. That there was there was like a noticeable reaction that I don't mm-hmm. think I I probably saw even the first couple times I watched this episode. So it was that was a little it was a it was a really small subtle thing. We think about you know the the child being a puppet and everything, but that but that was a was a cool little bit where you're like or like oh okay like there's a bit of recognition uh, in the child of like oh this is like this is not good. yeah that's true. I know he recognizes the stormtrooper, so we know that he has some sort of interaction with imperials in the past yeah and there is a tenseness to him for sure uh we get to the first time this episode on the first time ever yeah. he's in earlier in the season and he pulls out the ice cream maker we're going to give a little rundown of what the ice cream maker is <laughs> and what it means to us yeah the ice cream maker was a random prop in empire strikes back there's a part where everyone's running through the hallways to evacuate cloud city and they're all holding their precious belongings, like their children and stuff. And there's a man in a red jumpsuit who was later named by the fans, Wilro Hood. He's even yes. got an action figure. Wilro Hood. There's also a running of Wilro Hood at the conventions. People in red jumpsuits holding this 1970s ice cream maker. There's no explanation why. They just went to the store and found something that looked alien that they could put in someone's hands to yep. run across the screen. And now it is a prop that people buy. It's much like when I was looking at Tom Servo stuff. Yep. These things like were regular items that people just bought at Target or Walmart at the time. And now those things are kept as collectibles for other people that want to build Tom Servos. This ice cream maker is that for the Wilbur Hood fans of the Star Wars galaxy. And for the first time, it's being used. We're seeing yes. why this might be precious. Yeah, it has a opens it up and it is holding a lot of Beskar. They made it seem huge to have one cell phone's worth of Beskar, and this is going to be about 60 of those. Yeah. It's opened up, and there's like a couple different compartments with just piles of Beskar. So it also shows that Wilbur Hood, that's probably his safe. Whatever yes. he has in there is precious cargo, and it might have been very expensive in there. And so he then now, he gave him one brick of the Beskar where he got his shoulder in an earlier episode. It'd be like, this is the down payment for you to get the job done. Now here's all of it. And it's so much that it's like insane. The point that the client even goes, you know, it's easier for us to get a hold of this best car than it's for us to get a hold of a Mandalorian to do the job. This is how tough it is, is that we can toss around something as precious as this to get this child. That's how important this child is. So then the transaction happens now where he gets the child and he goes off and Mando starts to turn around and walk to be like, all right, the job is done. I'm a bounty hunter. That's what we do. But then that internal thing clicks in. Yep. The backing of the, which is not a part of the creed, not a part of the guild. It goes, what are you going to do with the child? Yeah, there's a little Marsalis Wallace moment, yeah. right? A little. Yeah, for uh, sure there is. Yeah. 
And he's just like, you know, like that's up to the doctors. Yeah. You know, like like my job was to get him. So they don't know. He's not sure what's going to happen to the child. And it doesn't sit well with the Mandalorian, but it's also none of his business. Yep. This is officially where he's crossed the line of this is not his business, but he's also not crossing the line at that point. He asked the question. He was denied. He left. And and before he asked the question, he did kind of like lean towards a salty side of this, which is yeah. that he asks how many tracking fobs were handed out. Uh, That's and with grief. Uh, cargo. No, he, he asked out. him. He asked him with with the client. Oh, with he, the client. Okay. He asked the client directly, and you know, a little bit of a nod to chapter two, where when he disintegrates mm-hmm. the Trandosians and and the fob drops, right? Yeah, and, and chapter one with IG eleven. Like, yeah, everyone he's running into has one of these tracking fobs. And so this is like to me um, a little masterful kind of a, a moment where we get to see this is you know not normal business as usual, Mando. Um, yeah. And so he's a little salty about that. Um, and then, like you said, he leads into the um, he leads into the, you know, what are your plans for it? And, and the client's response was actually an interesting aspect of like why the Imperials use the bounty hunters. Right. Which is mm-hmm. the, the standard thing is as soon as a job is jo- is done, it's like wiped and gone. Right. No one speaks for of sure. this. And so, you know, we get a little bit of the the clean transactional quality of uh, the bounty hunter guild and its service to the empire when the empire was in power. Yeah, for sure. And one of is showing that a little bit of the empire is still around because there's the yeah. stormtroopers, even though that they said that it's fallen. Yeah. There is, you're like, well, no, the empire is doing something sneaky yes. and we're trying to figure that out. He takes his best scar in the ice cream maker. He walks through town and everyone that he notices in town is kind of looking at that ice cream maker a little bit. Yep. They know this is a safe. They know something's happening. They know that's a Mandalorian, which they only see one out in town at a time. And he takes his turn down this dark alley. And we see a lot of Mandalorians. It wasn't yeah. but just two minutes ago, we're being told it's hard to find a Mandalorian. You know, like, but now we see that there is an underworld right next door where the Mandalorians hang out. And it's not with the guild, but it is definitely adjacent to yes and we see that the mandalorians come in all different shapes and sizes and he goes to the armor the armorer has the mandalorian logo which is the mythosaur skull he opens up the ice cream maker for them and they see all the best guard and like and then the mandalorians that were all kind of noticed that he went to the armorer with the ice cream maker start to kind of form in the back of the room and one of the beefier ones grabs uh, one of the best guard and goes, Oh, it's got the Imperial stamp on it. Yeah. You know, our dealings with them is why we have to only go up one at a time and why we have to hide among society. And you're sitting here at tables with them getting paid by them, but the armor kind of calms them down. You can see the immediate presence and respect the armor against to be like, yes. no, he brought back our stuff. So we should not be mad at him for this. He just purely did a job the way you guys should have. Totally. And then, so this is, this is, uh, Paz Vizla. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he is related to, uh, pre Vizla who is in the Clone Wars, um, oh. who, who was the, who was one of the, uh, individuals who held the dark saber. And so, so we know it, we, and he's indicated in the credits mm-hmm. and then also in, in, uh, subtitles that this is Paz Vizla voiced by John Favreau. 
Um, and, and so we know at least the connection to him being in house Vizsla, mm-hmm. um, you know, granted we're in the tribe. So this is the children, uh, you know, or the, the folks that are involved in quote unquote, the tribe that is this covert Mandalorian group, which we don't have a, a ton of information about, but, um, so you can tell that, that, you know, he's somebody who definitely is, is of great weight yet for he, sure. He is going to uh, he's going to uh, be subservient to the armor. So we really do yeah. get an idea that that um, there's that, a reference to her. Yeah, I mean, like he is a, a priestess, high rank, basically like, like a military, like it's like a military yeah. captain versus a pope, you yeah. know, where it's just like, here we go. Like, no, no, no. They will bow to this out of pure respect for the creed and that. But also, what's the name of this? I did not uh, know this about the back character, the beefy one. Um, it's Paz Visla. Paz, yeah, uh, but Paz Visla. Yeah, and uh, and so you know we 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 haven't you know at this point we haven't talked to so if you're if you're watching through season one just a little bit of Mandalorian background that the the there's a sort of pyramidal structure as far as how the ruling of Mandalore has gone in the past and so there are clans which are in essence families and underneath mm-hmm. they're underneath houses. So, um, so there's a Visla clan and there is a house Visla. Um, and then above that would be the ruler of, uh, the ruler of Mandalore. And so the ruler of Mandalore has to curry enough favor amongst the houses, which, you know, is made up of all these different clans in order for them to be able to, to have the power to sort of be, mm. um, to be a solvent government. Mm. Uh, and so, so that's, you know, in essence, a, a, a little, you know, little nugget, you know, you don't have to know this, but, but it, if you've watched Clone Wars or if you're looking to kind of go back and backfill on Clone Wars, it gives us a little bit of an idea around that. And then this, you know, the notion of, of what we don't know about um, is this idea of the Great Purge. Uh, and so he mentions that, you know, that the, the Beskar is the spoils of the Great Purge. So, um, and then really For quick. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Uh, really quick before that. Um, when when the Beskar is presented to the armor, there's this sort of, of interesting little exchange where they're sort of game planning, like what they're going to do, um, you know, and she's talking about, you know, what 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 is he what is he thinking he's going to do with this? Right. It's almost uh-huh. like, you, you know, you bring some like uncut stones to a jeweler and, and you know, like game plan about like, well, what are you what are you going to do with this? And uh, and so there's a moment in there where she she says, well, we know how bad his current armor is. And he basically is like, it's a wash. So I'm going to have yeah. to start. I'm going to have, you know, there's nothing really basically worth me salvaging. And she she says something to the effect of like, you know, I'll, I can make you in essence a full set with what we have. Um, mm-hmm. But the armor warns that it will draw many eyes. It and, will draw many eyes. And I think this is just one um, one little bit for us that is worth kind of, um, of noting because this is something I missed. Um, I would say I think I missed it. I didn't catch it until maybe the second uh, second or third time I watched this through. But that was sure. kind of mixed in here with this conflict because you. I knew, made note of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you knew as the as you you knew everyone noticed him come in. And mm-hmm. they're all kind of pulling towards the forge. And so you knew something was about to happen. You did, you weren't sure what it was, right? And the yeah. idea that- We're not sure why that the best guard would do this. We yeah. do now, further into the series, as you watch, dear listener, yeah. that you will figure out exactly why the best guard is so, um, what is just wanted yeah. and how it's so valuable. And people, like, I can understand why the Mandalorians were getting tense, 
Uh, I did mark that this started a short fist fight between the two of them. The armor had to break up. Yep. And that is because they all knew he was about to get a full suit of Beskar. And so he is going to level up amongst the ranks greatly for this. And uh, so, yeah, there's going to be a little pushback from somebody who's very much in power emotionally. Well, but the best guard is going to be something physical that they can't really touch. And this is an honor culture, right? And so yes. he's he's basically going to get this as a result of his dealings with unsavory individuals that they don't particularly um, they don't see this as being a truly honorable mm. um, sort of for notion. sure. And and you know Paz uh, Paz Vizsla tries to remove uh, tries to remove Din's helmet. Uh, that's really what mm. starts that fist fight. Um, and, and so, you know, we get a, a little bit of a window into that. Um, you know, the, there was a, the mithril asked, uh, the, in chapter one, you know, Hey, is it true that, you know, you guys don't take your helmets off? Uh, and then the armor, uh, gives us this, you know, has, have you removed your helmet? Has an opponent removed your helmet? Yeah, exactly. And, which he gave the no and the never. And, and so, so we know that the creed still is strong with him. He is honorable. Yes. But, but and that, she does give, really gives uh, us that. She says that there's a specific thing that she says about how he got this best car back from the Imperials to yes. where it should be with the Mandalorians. That's why he's honorable enough to have this. This is the way it's our first. This is the way. And yes. they like a chant. As soon as she said that it was like, cause that's her. And this is final. And then there, this is the way is we understand and stand down. Yeah. And so it's our first, this is the way. And we show how it's used and it's used by somebody very honorable to say, no, he has earned his honor because he brought that, this back to the Mandalorian. And also, then he says some really great things where he goes, whatever's left, I want to go to the Foundlings. Yes. She goes, as it should, because the Foundlings are future. So he's also paying forth with it. There's yeah. like a paying forward where it's like, yes, he did with the one piece. He said, well, yep. whatever's left, there's going to be a lot for the Foundlings. And he's like, yes, well, I appreciate them because I was a Foundling once. And so he now is saying, yes, and at the end of this, I'm not just going to keep building as much as I can, I'm also going to give back to our future, the foundlings that we currently have. And, uh, and then they also ask if he would like the whistling birds. So it's our intro to the whistling birds. Yes. Which I did not realize until this rewatch that they must be made from Beskar. Yes. They're made they're They are made from Beskar and, and, sh and the whistling birds were, were what was given as a result of him not having uh -huh. his signet made. So when we see in chapter one, uh, the armor asks, uh, yeah, what's the signet of the mudhorn? Yeah. Well, and, and so the, the notion here is that given that the mudhorn kill wasn't a noble mm -hmm. kill as far as Mando is concerned, because, um, the child helped. Um, but yeah, we sort of have a little bit of foreshadowing of this in chapter one, where uh, the armor asks, has your signet been revealed? Um, so mm -hmm. as a result of him passing on the signet, we get the whistling birds are made in, uh, instead. Yeah. And during this, we now have a montage where the armor is making the Beskar armor and it does look very religious. And then it's yes. also cutting to his childhood on how he became a foundling. And it shows that whatever town he was in with his parents was being attacked by droids. Uh, it's nothing specifically to show that it's Imperials, but it is droids of some kind. And his parents leave him in a basement for his protection and have to run. Yeah, and, and so it's a, it's a separatist droid. At least the droid that we see yeah. um, is we see a, a B2, um, B2 battle droid. It's um, 
or super battle droid, sorry. And and so those are those are at least from our point of reference as observers in this world, that's oh. a separate those are separatist droids. Um so you know, granted they could be they're droids, so they could be employed by or be deployed, I should say, oh. by any um any force. But so that gives us a notion of of the world that uh, the man the Mando was living on was uh, one that had been attacked or was trying to be taken over by the separatists. For sure. And now we have him in his full new Beskar yeah. armor. It looks you great. Shiny. Yep. He's now an instant legend. He has leveled up his armor. We all have played the video game where you finally get the final armor. He's finally done that. And he walks through town and we see a lot of things that were referenced in episode one to show us that we're going back to something familiar already. Yeah. So we see like the monkey lizards on the spit. Just, you know, because it's going through the same marketplace. And then we see Grief Karga, and I just threw this in because this was a very Andy line to me. Is Grief Karga's yelling at a guy, he goes, Get out of here, you dust eater. No pucks for you. Get lost. <laughs> <laughs> I and love it's just a guy that. who failed at a mission. Of course you did. Yep. I was like, Dust yeah. eater or dust breather. I'm sorry. Dust breather. Yeah. No pucks for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're showing that the, the guild is not allowing this guy to do any more jobs because he failed them. And we walk past uh, somebody from Darth Maul's species. We haven't seen another yes. one of Darth Maul's Zabric. species. Yeah, we see one of them hanging out at the bar. I don't know how much of the bar at this specific moment is strictly the guild. But yeah. it does appear that it is mostly guild. And they're just kind of hanging around waiting for their next job, their next puck. Hopefully Grief Cargo will be like, oh, we got one for you. You know, yeah. like, or, you know. Or maybe you're just a dust breather and you don't get it, you know? Yeah. And he goes straight to Grief Cargo, who's very happy because it looks like Grief Cargo also got a part of the royalties of it. He goes, look, you made me a rich man as well. Your best car armor looks great. And Mando's like, how many tracking fobs did you give? And he was like, yeah. to everybody. Everybody in this bar had a tracking fob, but none of them could do the job. And I like that he did it loudly. He'd be like, no, they're all schmucks. Yeah. You're the one that doesn't, they hate you because you're able to be, you're now rich. You now have the armor that they wish they could have. And you made me happy and you made me rich. So here's the pucks. They're all waiting for a puck. I love that them. line. The, I, I, for one, celebrate your success, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, <exactly>. was, <laughs> it was just a, um, such a, a hilarious, uh, a, you know, kind of way of him to be like, you know, all these other guys are haters, but I'm in your corner, right? Uh -huh. And you know, given that Carl Weathers is playing Grief Karga, uh, I really, I really appreciated the little allegory or allusion over to the sort of the boxing corner man kind of quality of that course. he had in that moment. So it's just a little <laughs> amazing bit. Yeah, exactly. You win, I win. They all lost. So they're yeah. And of course, uh, he's like, no, I'd just like the next job, please. And Grief yeah, like, no, job. you should take some time off. You know, like celebrate. Let's go to a bathhouse. And he's he like, even no, no. suggests he get uh, a ice cream maker of spice. Uh, he, yeah. offer, he suggests to get a canton cantomo of spice. Um, the other thing I, I missed, but he mentions that he'll take him to the Twi'lek healing baths, which. Yeah. I had not, I, that was a reference, a new reference to me. I had no idea that there were Twi'lek uh, healing baths, but you know, there's all these things that are quote Twi'leks are the dancers from Jabba's yep. palace. Yep. And so it's essentially getting a massage from one of them, whatever that yeah. means. Whatever that means. I <laughs> whatever that, that means. up to you. We want to keep our G rating for this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
And he was like, no, no, just the job, please. And he's like, all right, all business. I get it. You know, like, and he chooses a puck that has a, was a Mon Calmari yep. who skipped out on bail. And he's like, all right, fine. I'll just take this. It's far away. And he's like, good. I want to be far away because everyone here is mad at me. You know, like you can tell he's like sour. And then he stops when he's only a couple steps away and goes, what, what's going to happen to that child though? With the, yeah. the client, I just handed off. And he's like, what does it matter? You got paid. I got paid. The job's over. You have the next job. None of that matters. Now get out of here, you dust breather. He didn't say that, you know, like, but, but I like that. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> but it was and he, he asked the question that, you know, in essence, some of us were asking, which is what the heck are the Imperials doing on this planet? Right. We know it's a lava yeah. planet, but like what? And it's very seedy. Everything yeah. behind every door, is something seedy and they have something seedy happening, but it's almost like feels federal don't like it and he doesn't like it and it's there's an upsetting feeling in your stomach and we realize too like there's just this moment of like hey go to the core and tell the new republic about this right Mm -hmm. and that's when we start to realize that oh he did say that he goes you can tell the new republic if you want he goes that's a joke yeah we're gonna tell the new republic we're doing illegal things too we can't we can't call the cops yeah that's like the drug dealers calling the cops and the prostitutes next door (laughs) like you can't do that So I, 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 I know like these are like these little things that pop out, but him asking about why the Imperials were there is another one of these Mm -hmm. things that, that had kind of, there was enough going on that Mm -hmm. that I missed that. Um, And so it was, you know, really kind of a, um, that that's the question that, you know, the the astute viewer, like our listeners may be asking Mm -hmm. what's going on here. We don't have an answer right now, but it definitely is a probing question of like something's up. For sure. And uh, so he, like the cowboy, just leaves town, yep. goes to his ship, gets in his cockpit, starts to take off a little bit, looks at that ball. The ball from the first scene goes, ah, oh, the baby loves this ball. You know what? I got, I, so nothing feels right. I got to save this baby. Relance his plane and then goes onto a rooftop, spies on the client. I don't know how he does it with the pulse blaster, but somehow... It's oh, like it's he's a, holding it. He's he's got a he's got a sight. Um, he's got a sight on the pulse blaster. That's uh-huh. like a view. It's like a man. It's at least it comes up. It's come up a couple times, but it's like a basically like a view a viewfinder. And then yeah. his helmet has that um, thermal view. Uh-huh. So so we get a little yeah bit of, we get like a radio transmission yep. of the client talking to the doctor, and he's like, and yeah, it, something's up. And he there's goes a little, down. There's a little interesting uh, exchange there, right? Which is just we get this real vague, like extract the necessary material. Mm-hmm. I can no longer guarantee your safety. Um, yeah. So this is the conversation between the client and Doctor Pershing. It's um, kind of like the client has not wiped his hands clean. Yes. Of this whatever this imperial transaction was, the way that we're trying to get Mando to wipe his hands clean, the client's like, "Listen, I'm out of here." This is really beyond the danger that I can deal with. My job was to get you this thing. Get this, get whatever you need to get done, done fast, because this is not going to end well. And so then the Mandalorian then knocks on the security droid. Security droid comes out. He damages it. So now the perimeter stormtroopers have to come out to investigate that. During that time, he puts a bomb against the wall and blasts open one of the walls of the, I, I don't know what to call it. It's like an office, yeah, whatever like the a, office like was, compound, right? where the transaction happened. Yep. And he goes in, and uh, we see 
I know we could really get down to the nitty gritty with it, but I just wrote kill stormtroopers. Looks awesome. Yes. You know, he really <laughs> awesome like kill stormtroopers like Metal Gear Solid style. Which if they do a video game for this, make that level like Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I just put down he makes short work of the bucketheads, right? Bucketheads are for uh, sure a, a pejorative that that they use on uh, Star Wars Rebels. So yeah, and he really does. Yeah. I mean, we get this notion of you know the, the stormtroopers are trying to kind of spook him. Uh, and you know, he is, he is not at all. They're, they're, you know, not uh, equipped at all to handle what's going on here for sure. And he locates Dr. Pershing. He's there with the child who's strapped into some kind of medical bed. That's reading some kind of meters. And he's got an interrogation droid that we saw in a new hope with him. The interrogation droid in a new hope, if you remember, was there to torture the princess. And we don't know exactly how or what, but we do know that it has a syringe on the end of it. Yeah. Uh, that they were going to use, I don't know, to put medicine in the princess or whatever. Um, we don't quite know what it's doing there at this point with the baby, but it's there with the baby. And so he looks at the table. You can see the readings are all over the place. He knocks the doctor down. It looks like he thinks about killing him and doesn't, yeah. but just takes the baby. And, and on this on this pass through, I realized that Pershing, Pershing is protecting uh, he's protecting the child. He says that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He goes, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to protect the child. Yeah. Like, but he, Pershing's also doing a job. I understand yeah. both sides of it. And, and it, Pershing has come around to be like, to be like, I'm just doing my job. He's not of a bad heart, but this job does have an evil side to it. Yeah. I mean, and you know, as far as the client was concerned that they, he would have paid for the child to be dead. Uh, so mm-hmm, exactly. this whole time, uh, Pershing has been the one where he's like, no, 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 we need, we need the child alive. Um, yeah. And this is also that moment where we see that he's got a patch on his shoulder when he's pushed down. And that patch appears to be like the patches that were worn by um, people in the Camino cloning facility or, and the clones mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. The clone lab technicians. Yes. So he's got some kind of clone background to him. Yes. And uh, the Mandalorian takes the baby, fights his way out. And uh, it makes, there's a certain point in this fight where I'm like, if he didn't have the Beskar armor already, he wouldn't have been able to survive this. They yeah. needed to pay him well for him to be able to come in and even fight them. And he, uh, he does, there's a great little Mexican standoff with four stormtroopers in him. And he puts the baby down to be like, okay, this is over. And then we see the whistling birds for the first time take out all four of the stormtroopers. And then he just picks up the baby, calm as can be. Like, I don't know what your problem is lying on the ground like that. I just walk (laughs) with my baby and like takes the baby out. And that's when when he gets out of the building, all of these, I don't know if they are tracking fobs or not. They're all tracking fobs. Yeah, but some sort of uh, guild pager is going off in everyone's hand. Or as I wrote down, the amber alerts going off on their phones totally. you know like and they're just like hey the mandalorian has taken back the bounty he has the child this is against guild rules you need to stop this and so now the guild which appears now we're in that bar everyone at the bar at this moment is definitely a part of the guild and the bar is clearing out and they're all standing in front of the exit of the town and where the razor crest is to be like you know grief card comes out and he's like hey you're gonna have to give me the baby this goes yeah. against our guild's code, and we have an honor to our guild. And so this has gone too far. 
just put it down. We have like a speeder with a little R2 droid on it. It was like, put it, the baby on the speeder and we're going to act like this didn't happen. So it was like, hey, listen, strike one. Yeah. But this doesn't have to be this way. It's kangaroo and, uh, court almost, right? Like uh, it's Karga. Yeah. I think Karga says at one point, "I am your, I am your only hope." Uh, That's exactly and, the quote. And it's, uh, and so, so it was like one of these moments of like, okay, well, you know, as long as you do this, you was making it sound like, you know, turn over the asset and we'll make yeah. this all kind of go away. Um, and and so it's it was impressive also in what is a television series to see everybody that's there, right? That, that, yeah. that he is full on surrounded. Like you called out the, there's a Zabrick dude, all the people that were mm-hmm. in that, uh, that were in that guild hall uh, that yeah. looks like a bar are now out and ready to fight. They're spoiling yeah. for a fight. So yeah, the guild is out there doing their job to protect their guild. And uh, Ando chooses the fight. He yeah. jumps on that speeder and starts to take really cautious shots at the different people in the guild, showing how much more badass he is than the rest of the guild. And he also is, you know, he's not really taking advantage of his armor, but he's in his new armor, so it looks awesome. Yeah. And he does get to a point where he hides behind some boxes and uses his pulse rifle to disintegrate some of the people in the guild, which I'm sure is not a part of the guild's rules. Yeah, You know, like, that sounds <laughs> like you've turned on them. And even then, Greek Karg is like, stop it. You know, like, he's like, he doesn't fully bring the hammer down but it's like no 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 our job still is just to get the baby it's not to kill the other ones in the guild and of course when all looks lost all of a sudden the mandalores that are hanging out underneath the city's underbelly where that no one knows is there they come full force to protect their mandalorian yeah and the tribe has has basically showed up for yeah um, for full-on mandalorians and full-on bounty hunter guild this is the moment where I went, oh, this is the best Star Wars of my life. Totally. You know, like, you're like, this is incredible. Like, so I'm watching these two creeds fight against each other. And it really is showing that he's more Mandalorian than Bounty Hunter. Yeah. And so now the Mandalorians have all chosen they're more Mandalorian than Bounty Hunters. And they have turned on the guild to protect one of their own. And then... Uh, well, and the arrival, the arrival too, with the with them coming in with jetpacks. I mean, that oh, yeah. is really, oh, that's yeah. the first time we've seen it in the series, at least, right? To have them mm-hmm. drop in, uh, you know, the people that he was just, you know, basically trading blows with moment, you know, somewhat earlier in the episode now have his back. Yeah, exactly. The people, it's the very same, the very same people that he's fist fighting yeah. are now like, no, 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 no. We can be the Bundys and fight each other, but no one fights us. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Paz shows up with a big gun, starts mowing people down, and he goes, "Hey, get in your ship and get out of here." Yeah. And so the Mandalorian grabs the child, who's like asleep. But there is a moment where I still don't know what's going on. The music slows down, everything slows down, and he's looking in the eyes of the child who's barely awake. And I'm like, "Is the baby using the Force or not?" I don't know, but there is something that was like, "No, no, no, we're gonna get out of here safe." grabs the baby, goes onto the Razor Crest. One last thing with Griff Cargo where he's like, hey, you can still give me the baby now. Yeah. And he shoots uh, Griff Cargo, which is like, well, no, he's out of the guild. Yep. I'm sure that that puck now means nothing. <laughs> and he falls out, you know, like, and he starts to fly away. And then we see Griff Cargo on the ground and he shot him right in the Beskar that he was paid. Yep. His share Whether- of bounty. 
Exactly. Which saved his life. Uh, beautiful. It's like poetic. As he's flying away, one of the Mandalorians with a jetpack flies by, almost like to like just secure or say goodbye. And he looks out the window and goes, ah, jetpack. I got to get one of those. You know, like awesome foreshadowing. And uh, this episode was directed by Deborah Chow. Anything I miss, Andy? Um, there's a little, there's a brief moment where um, Mando exchanges with the members of the tribe that come to bail him out. And he's, and he like, kind of acknowledges like, hey, you're going to have to relocate the covert. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's what is, is covert. Maybe, maybe it's coven, but, um, but in, in acknowledgement that the tribe is now discovered. Um, yeah. and, and so they're going to have to, you know, he's basically blown their cover and, mm-hmm. and, it, and at least this is, uh, you know, sorry, you know, kind of a sorry, sorry, my bad, uh, acknowledgement on Mando's part here, um, to, you know, to the people that have basically bailed him out and, you know, we have no idea where he's headed, but he has gotten off Navarro, not off of Navarro with the child and mm-hmm. he's it has on shown a little bit of him turning his back on both the Mandalorians because he's blown their cover and the yeah. guild because he shot their leader. Yep. I mean, so he's like, it is showing this guy's kind of getting off base. Yeah. And, and you get a little bit of this, um, you know, granted we, you know, the armorer says, Hey, you know, the, the armor is honorable, basically gets mm-hmm. her blessing. Um, but he's broken the code as far as the Mandalor or the guild goes. And then from, you know, at least the people that were taking issue with him from his own group, um, he's, you know, he's, he's doing business with people that they don't approve of. Uh, I think it was, you, you said the, the quote, uh, he's sharing tables um, yeah. with, with our enemies. And so it, it does give us a bit of that anti a hero kind of of he has no allegiances quality at this point or or you know his allegiances if there are any are somewhat dicey uh, yeah so, i mean the only allegiance we're actually seeing is towards the child yeah and and that you know and then you know you brought this up again so in chapter one i didn't have the the read that the child used the force on mando uh to uh shoot um ig11 but there's a little bit more of that hint you know in uh, mm-hmm. in, in this episode, uh, clearly the child is trying to help. Uh, as of you know, chapter two, he's trying to heal him, mm-hmm. but he won't let him. And then he he helps um, take care of the mudhorn. Uh, and so so we know there there is definitely a connection there. Yeah, there's but, a growing bond for yeah. sure, and it's unlike any that this Mandalorian's ever dealt with. Totally. So it it, it really and ties that kind of piece together, and and. You know, for for where we're at now after three chapters, you know, it, it is one of those things where you're like, well, I know Mando is going to be with the child, but I don't know where the heck they're going. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, you're like, OK, they got they got the F out of Dodge. Yep. But where do you go? Yeah. And so that's uh, that's going to be answered in chapter four. Yep. But Andy, what do you rate this episode? I rated this episode a nine out of ten Cantomos. Oh, nice. Nice. I would, um, I want to give it a 10 out of 10, but it also did not have a gonk droid to where yeah. they had a gonk droid as the doorman the first time. Makes it hard. No, I'm going to give this a, a 10 out of 10 uh, Amber Alerts. I think I'm going <laughs> to give it. <laughs> I really love that showdown. And it was just like, a, 
it was so fun to see how much fun we could have within the Star Wars universe that wasn't centered around lightsabers. Yeah, no, and that's the that's and royalty. A, this isn't like this isn't about royalty. This isn't about lightsabers. Totally it's about the other things that happen. And so you're like, no, this is absolutely great. Yeah, and and so much of it has been dominated by you know those sort of storylines. Mm-hmm. So For it's sure. just awesome to be able to see this is to me this is the the drippy pipes grimy kind of world mm-hmm. that we've all been asking for and we've gotten it you know in in these first three and you're like wow this is mm-hmm. you know this this is when i you know well i was i was pretty much won over after the first episode but this episode was when i realized that they were going to do like things that i wouldn't expect to be able mm-hmm. to pull in uh all the, you know have that bounty hunter standoff have the jetpack wearing mandalorians swoop in to have that whole piece it was like okay For this sure. is this is the real deal this isn't going to be uh caravan of courage um you know yeah like, this is when i realized this is the way yeah it is andy is this the way i think so one day you're going to believe it <laughs> 